When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The award-winning crunch time. Right to the teeth of goal and flying in from the side and taking a beautiful grab is Majek. From the top of the goal square for the opening major of the night, Brody Majek rewards all the good work. 46 metres from goal. Hipwood struck that one well with authority. And the Lions get some sustenance from their goal kicking at last. Umpires put the whistle away. They turn it over. Taken by Cameron. Gave it to Rayner. Better build-up. A cluggage. Man on his own in the goal square. No one could miss from there. Hipwood kicks it into the third tier. And suddenly a flurry of Lions goals at the Gabba. Stevenson, a hand pass to Brown. One more to Elliott and one more again to Taylor Adams. He screws it back to the square. Moore got there and he's done. Not marked. The cock suckers it through. It could be all too late. So the Lions show the Magpies their place. The Lions kick five goals in the second quarter. They kick six for the night. They played too short, including their main man, and they still beat the Pies by eight points. I thought perhaps a little lucky early that they didn't score a bit more, but then by halfway through the first quarter, I thought we'd got some control over the game. Then I just thought our ball, the split speed of our ball movement and our intensity around the contest really picked up in that second quarter, and you know, we were able to get what turned out to be the sort of match-winning lead in the second quarter, which is, sounds a little bit unusual, but that's the way it sort of panned out. It was all very unusual as the Lions conquered a hoodoo and looked to build momentum for this once-in-a-lifetime Gabba Grand Final. But it does come at a high cost. And what did we learn last night about the stodgy Magpies? The players were aware of the protocols. They've been drummed in the ad nauseum since July. And I think they embarrassed the Queensland Government and, and the AFL and our football club in doing so. You know, we've lost respect as an entire football club. Does it matter if you win a premiership and you lose respect along the way? I often say internally the most important thing we play, we can do as a football club, is to win games of footy and to win finals and ultimately win premierships. That's the most important thing we can do as a football club for our members and our partners. But it's not why we exist. In Richmond, we claim to be a very purposeful club and that's reflected in the way we do business and it's reflected in the way we develop leadership. It's the way... We conduct our social impact problems and, 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 and at, at the moment, I guess some of the actions you're seeing are inconsistent with that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's disappointing. That matters. We can't ignore the fact there's been a, some things we've got wrong. Um, as I said, we need to own that. We have done it. It's been a difficult year, but it's no excuse for some of the mistakes we've made. Did the AFL make that decision that the players should pay it individually? Did you? Did they volunteer? How did that happen? That was our decision. The view was when you consider the extent to which or the efforts we've made to to educate, to inform, to reinforce the rules, the expectations, the protocols, the standards, and for the players to act so disrespectfully, I didn't feel there's any other option. Will the Players Association oppose that, do you think, Brendan? 
look, I'm not sure they might. These are mistakes and very serious mistakes. But these are young men, and young men make mistakes, and they aren't feeling that good about themselves right now. So we need to put our arm around them, and we need to support them through this, and we will, and we need to help them earn the respect and trust of, of those in the club. How onerous will it be for them to pay that? I would imagine it'd be very onerous. The questions intensify around Richmond's culture after the most egregious of protocol breaches leaves the Tigers in disgrace and in disputes. The AFL's footy boss, Steve Hocking, is our headline guest. This is Crunch Time. It's a loaded crunch time at that for Cleanaway, Stocked Out and Lego and McDonald's. The Monopoly game is back at Macca's. It was the end of round 15 last night. We wait a little while. There's not a game till tonight to get the next round underway and then it happens in a hurry. Jared Waitley with you. Luke Hodge was there last night for one of the more peculiar games of the season. Luke, welcome. Yes, thank you, Jared. Uh, I was there and it was... It actually felt, I know people say it a lot, but it was going back to the, the finals intensity. The crowd was there. The crowd was upbeat. The Lions finally had a quarter where they kicked straight. Um, and the, tell you what, listen to the supporters. They had a lot of relief, especially when Collingwood started to miss a few easy set shots as well. But uh, the, the build-up around the game, the intensity of the game, the physicality of the game was excellent. Um, you could hear a lot of bodies crashing into each other. Um, but I think most importantly out of that was uh, having a loud a loud stadium. I think it was only 15,000, so half half of what we're going to get for the grand final. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to only build as the season goes on. Kane Corns, hello to you. Hello, Jared, and to to everyone. Yeah, it was a it was a finals light game. I'm a little bit concerned about the spectacle we're going to get on grand final night. Jared, very dewy. Interviewed Simon Black during the week. He said in October, as Hodge would know, it gets very very dewy, and, and that was wet weather footy last night. So just think, it's all pointing to a favourable outcome for Richmond, who play in the wet so well. And Sam Edmonds, the chief sports reporter here. Sam, hello. Good afternoon to you, gentlemen. Plenty to talk about, plenty on the menu today. And happy Father's Day Eve as well. I love the two nobles embracing after last night's peculiar game. And I don't know about you guys, but the presents are piling up here. So uh, if I get buried uh, <laughs> momentarily, I'll dig my way out. Where were the goals last night, Kane? It's five goals in one quarter, one goal for the rest of the match, and that was the winning equation. Yeah, my goodness. So, six goals wins a game of footy these days. I I, I don't know. Firstly, I, I think the pressure was extreme, and with that comes mistakes, and the conditions certainly didn't help, but it looked as congested as I've seen just from the TV, and Hodge, you'll be able to speak to that being at the ground, but firstly, you know, Collingwood's forward structure was a complete mess, uh, and the panic that they had to put Darcy Moore, Darcy Moore forward in the third quarter was a sign that we haven't seen from Bucks for a long time. So they haven't been able to get their forward structure right. And to go inside 40-odd times and to, to kick five goals, it's never going to win a game of footy. But equally for Brisbane, it was, it was similar. Uh, they were more efficient, just the 33 entries. But it was congested and the conditions made it really difficult to score for whatever reason. What do you think live, Luke? Um, yeah, watching it, it just shows with shorter quarters how hard teams are working defensively to get back to congest the either defensive 50 or just get numbers behind the ball. So um, 
that that was noticeable. And as as Kane said, that the slippery conditions it's only going to get worse with the dew, the sweat. It is humid. Um, we're coming in now. I think it's 26 degrees now, and it's only going to get hotter for the next two months, uh, building into finals. Uh, the, I, I didn't mind. Buckley trying to do something different, putting more up forward, considering Harris Andrews was down there. But I thought initially I would have left Cox because Cox was on Leicester uh, and he was giving away 19 centimetres and Cox was able to take a few marks. What I would have done, I, I would have put um, Cox deeper inside Ford 50 and cleared him out, let him go one-on-one with, with, with Leicester and let him do something initially. And then if that didn't work, put more up. But I, I don't mind the fact that he actually tried something. They realised that Harris Andrews was out and, and, and they were trying to win the game. They, they couldn't score otherwise. They were really slow to react, so they wasted the whole third quarter. What, what did you think when Harris Andrews walked to the bench with the hamstring wrapped in ice, Luke? Uh, initially, I didn't notice it. Hull was that uh, entrenched in the game because, um, as Kane said earlier, it was it was one of those games where it was just there was bodies flying in, the ball was moving. Yes, there was a lot of mistakes, but just the intensity of the players were going. So I was actually caught up watching the game and and had to be notified that Harris was was injured on the side. So when you when you look across and you see two blokes with Tommy Fulton who hurt his quad about 15 minutes into the, the first quarter and then Harris uh, in the second, you you naturally think, well, how are they going to change their structure? They didn't have to do too much. Cal Archie went from half forward to half back and then Leicester played a little bit taller. Uh, but what you know, I did notice was because of the intensity of the game that Lions started to, to lose their spread. Uh, Collingwood looked like they had more run towards the end of the third quarter and then during the last quarter. But as we said, they just couldn't mix the inside 50s. At three-quarter time, they had torn out inside 50s for six scores. And then even when they made all their changes, they just couldn't capitalise on, on what they were doing. So I think Lions will sit away go, yes, we've lost Harris Andrews. We'll get him back for finals. But they, they probably could have been overrun with the intensity that Collingwood were coming at them. Couldn't win it without him, could they? Uh, no, no. I think you look back, and, and early on, it showed the quality of both. Uh, Darcy Moore, uh, him and his body work on, on Hipwood. I thought Hipwood fought back really well from about quarter time onwards. Darcy moved him too easy, and then I think Hipwood changed his mindset and thought rather than try and mark the ball, I'm just going to make a contest and bring it to ground, which was I think that shows maturity in itself. But Darcy's body work positioning and flying over the top was really noticeable early, and so was Harris. Harris had a number of marks and a number of intercepts. Um, but then they both sort of died out. Harris obviously threw injury and he would sort of got on top and of Darcy in the second half. We'll come back through last night shortly. Steve Hawking's about to join us. Sam, just give us a picture of the, the tension points around the, the Richmond story 24 hours on. Well, it all, all centres on this uh, this fine, rather, Jared. The 75,000 of the 100,000 that Richmond have come out and said that the players will have to pay. And Brendan Gale, he, he said in his press conference yesterday, Chief Executive, he doubled down on it, obviously, last night on AFL Nation. They just can't get this through. It's, it's hard to see how this is ever going to get through. The AFLPA standing firm. James Gallagher there saying under the code of conduct agreed upon between the AFL and the AFLPA. When the AFL sanctions a player for a breach of AFL rules, a club cannot also impose a sanction. The players didn't go anywhere near offering to pay this sanction either, Jared. This is coming right from the top office of the Richmond Football Club. It's a code of conduct agreed between the AFL and the PA. In fact, it was in place when Brendan 
Gale was the CEO of the Players Association and it fits under Andrew Dillon's portfolio now, the GM of Integrity and Compliance at the AFL. Now, his sanction yesterday, Jared, the 10 matches and the fine, is based on the assumption, I've been told, that Richmond would not then come down with their own sanction. Otherwise, they would have tempered that punishment to begin with. So part of me just wonders whether Brendan Gale and Richmond know they're no chance of getting this through, but such is the anger that they want to be seen to be swinging the hammer down. And obviously, under normal circumstances, it's $5,000 maximum for a first offence and then $10,000 for a second offence, depending on how lucrative a player's contract is. And then we get into some confusing detail. But um, this is clearly a breach of AFL rules. The AFL have handed down the punishment. I can't see how Richmond can get their own sanction on top of that over the line. All right, the general manager of footy operations at the AFL, Steve Hocking, is our feature guest on Crunch Time. Steve, welcome. Good afternoon, Jared. Thanks for having me. How bitterly disappointed were the events of yesterday and the breaches from those two Richmond players? Oh, look, uh, I think when you look at the, um, the the sanctions that have been put in place, I think that demonstrates uh, yeah, how disappointed we were. I think that um, you know, right across the whole industry, uh, you know, it, 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 it put the whole competition in jeopardy. So that that's the frustrating piece. But um, yeah, that's been dealt with, and, and all the eighteen clubs are aware that. Um, you know, they're the standards that need to be met and, and the protocols that everyone signed up for. We, we work closely with all 18 clubs on those and um, uh, everyone's agreed to it. So, you know, very clear that, um, you know, we're, we're living to a to a standard that is expected of us uh, in Queensland. It's, it's enabled us to continue to, uh, to you know, put on games and, and uh, see out the competition. Are there some who are just ignorant, Steve, to how tenuous all of this is and how delicate the the, the permission from from governments are? I don't think so, Jared. The clubs have done a, a fantastic um, job at uh, educating, and, and certainly, you know, we didn't arrive at these protocols, you know, just overnight. They've been worked through with the chief chief um, health officers right across the whole. Uh, all the states uh, more broadly, and um, yeah, everyone certainly is aware of it. I think, I think in any case, there's always you know potentially a percentage that um, uh, you know like to you know, potentially roll the dice, I guess. But look, it's it's been dealt with. Um, I think uh, you know from Richmond's point of view, they've obviously got some things to work through um, with with the players, and, and from here, um, it's it's a clear message to everybody that. Um, you know, we, we just can't be mucking around with that. We've, we're in a really privileged position here as a competition. You know, we, we've been able to, on the back of the Queensland partnership, Queensland government partnership, continue our season. And, and that's extraordinary. Thank them for that. And so we need to uh, make sure that uh, we're doing our bit. Does Richmond have the right to demand the players pay the fine, Steve, or is it actually intended to be a club fine? It's intended to be a club fine, Jared, and, and you know again, the reason for that is you know there's been some questions around as to um, you know why doesn't it just come off a salary cap? It, it's really everybody's got um, ownership of this. It's, it's a club-wide leadership piece. Um, we've all got responsibility in it. You know, that's me included. You know within my role, I'm expected to live to a standard, and everybody you know right across the whole competition understands that and, and have signed up to it. So how do you expect that to resolve? Oh, look, it's, it's certainly not in my area. I, I know that Andrew Dillon will work through that with, um, with Brendan Gale and, and um, you know, Tim Livingston, and they'll, they'll work through that with, with the AFLPA at the appropriate time. Is it time, Steve, for a 
breach and you're on the plane hardcore policy to get this season finished? Uh, sorry, Jared, I just missed that. Is it time for a breach the protocols and you're straight on the plane? Hardcore policy yeah, yeah, to yeah. get the season finished. Look, I think for for everybody, um, all of us, it's a good reminder of, uh, yes, we are getting closer to the season finishing. And, and with that, um, you know, we, we, we can't we can't really get sloppy around this. You know, we, we need to live to a standard. Um, and that standard is a high standard. Um, and, you know, that, that's something that we need to honour and, and make sure we continue to respect. Um, as I said earlier, it's a privilege to, to be doing what we're doing here in Queensland and, and across all the states. We've got our competition going. So, you know, as we move into the finals, um, we'll have to certainly, you know, work through that and make sure that, um, you know, people live to those standards and maintain them. Luke Hodge with Steve Hocking. Yeah, Steve, I was just wondering, was it any talk of taking away uh, points or, or draft picks with uh, with this punishment? Uh, no, look, there's an escalation um, process, Luke, on, on all of that. And Andrew Dillon's got um, you know, all of the details on that. As I say, the, uh, the industry has certainly signed up to those. Um, and you know, it, it basically escalates to a level um, you know, as... as uh, you know, clearly, this is, this is another a second breach for for Richmond, but um, Andrew and, and his integrity team have, uh, have have got all that sorted. Excellent. Uh, with the uh, with the fine, it goes into hundred thousand goes into next year's footy cap for the Richmond Football Club. That's right. Is there yeah. any talk, or are you allowed to put it into the salary cap? Because you, you hear a lot of players, the, the punishment is pretty much going to go to either the bootstarters or the property stewards who do so much work. And they, they might have a, a part-timer who's helping them out who will get the sack rather than the players lose financial benefit from it. Is there any push or conversation to, to push it into the salary cap rather than the footy cap? No, no. Look, look it, it's, a, it's a reasonable question. But uh, what we did right at the start with all of this was just sign, basically have, have the whole industry collaborate on this and, and work through it together and, and everyone agreed that it should go into the soft cap. It should be a, a, a whole of club um, sanction and the reason for that is, and, you know, you've been, you've been fortunate part of very successful clubs. It's a team, a team accountability, a team response and, and a, a, a leadership requirement from everybody. Sam Edmund. Thanks for your time uh, this afternoon, Steve. I just wanted to ask about the future of the goal review system. Would Is it fair to assume it will be at every category venue next season? Obviously, you were caught out recently in Alice Springs. It was subsequently installed at Cairns for the remainder of the season. What do you think it will look like next year? Uh, Sam, look, we're, we're really pleased with where it's got to. Um, there's, no, there's no doubt, I, I think most people, uh, even hopefully Jared. Yep. <laughs> Um, you know, can see that uh, there has been advancements with it. I, I think one of the upsides for us with the ARC has been um, the comms that we've actually, um, you know, delivered uh, within broadcast and, and also, you know, live at venue too um, in future when we get back to having games and having crowds, which we're all looking forward to. Um, we've been fortunate enough to see a bit of that across the country. We certainly uh, we thank the fans for being part of it. But, uh, yeah, look, it's, it, the advance we've made, um, I, I've been really happy with. Uh, we will continue to review. And there's no doubt, you know, as you've seen with what we've done with uh, with Cairns, there's five games in Cairns, so we've been able to uh, plug, um, you know, all the goal 
goalpost cameras into that, but uh, longer term, we'll, we'll just continue to evolve that and, and make the adjustments we need to because we now see it as a, as a key part of uh, decision-making within the game. And just another one with an eye to next year, and I, I know it's all full steam ahead to finals this year, but the festivals or the so-called festivals of footy that we have seen this year, I think it's fair to say teams and players have coped with it better than expected, albeit with shorter quarters, of course. Has this broken the ice in some regard at AFL House? And would a more condensed fixture be considered next season, perhaps over a, a school holiday period? Yeah, Sam, it, it's it's one of many things. Hopefully, uh, you know, even yourself and, and, and others, you know, Jared and Luke, um, have enjoyed that part of it. Uh, certainly, you know, from a um, competition-wide perspective, the clubs have been extraordinary. You know, you, you, you have a look at the four-day turnarounds. Um, you know, whenever whenever I sat down early days in the, in this role and, and spoke to high-performance managers and, and coaches, and you sort of mentioned anything, even even a six-day break six-day turnaround, uh, it, it used to exhaust um, a lot of those conversations as to you can't get this shorter. But with the uh, mm-hmm. with the game adjustments we made um, prior to round one, it, it certainly has had everybody in a frame of mind that, that have been supportive of it. And they've worked through it exceptionally well. Um, you know, some of the training sessions, I've been fortunate being on the ground up here now um, in, in Queensland, you can get around and, and just watching what players are doing. There's certainly a lot less matching um, there's more, uh, you know, a, a much stronger focus on just recovery. I think, um, I think Hodge potentially would have played for another four or five years in, in, in that model. So we we need to we need to think through um, what we take forward. None of those decisions have been major, but as we have done throughout this year, we've had to really work as, as a competition with key stakeholders to understand, you know, what can we achieve um, and, and what do we need to, uh, you know, potentially. Uh, capture and, and take forward into into future seasons, and, and those decisions haven't been made at this point in time. But we'll certainly get to that at the appropriate time. Kane, yeah, Steve, I, I'm interested in your response to Alistair Clarkson's comments on Tuesday night in regards to what he's going to do with his list at Hawthorne and across the competition, what clubs can do when they don't yet know what the salary cap looks like or list sizes. When will you inform clubs of that decision? Yeah, Kane, it's it's a reasonable point that Alistair makes. You know, I, I think part of that is um, you know, the fact that uh, you've got clubs now that are that are their season's coming to an end. They're not going to be part of finals, and, and very quickly, I'm, I'm already seeing that uh, on, on a range of different things around. You know, when does pre-season start? What does next season look like? Um, uh, you know, when's the trade period? Uh, you know, when are we going to have um, the uh, the draft as well? All of those you know, key dates. You know, key decisions are all in the pipeline currently and, and we're working through them. Now, some of them are really easy to get to um, and then others, uh, you know, there's decisions that need to be made um, with a collective um, mindset. And so that's, you know, that's stakeholders like ASLPA and clearly the players and so forth as well. So we've got a bit of work to do on that, Kane, um, at this point in time. But certainly talking to the PA and um, you know, my assessment of that would be um, it's something that would be done over a period of time, not um, you know, not from one season to the next season. Mm. Uh, I'm interested in your, in your thoughts on on the adjudication of the rules and the accuracy of umpiring. How have you seen it um, since? Particularly, you changed the interpretation of holding the ball earlier on in the year. Yeah, well, the the, the change of the interpretation of holding the ball, it, it all was was just reinforcing the actual rule itself. So. You know, if you don't make a genuine attempt, you lose prior. And so, you know, what we'd seen uh, 
return um, sort of uh, post uh, um, recommencement round two, it was it was noticeable that uh, sort of over those three or four weeks, players were were not making a genuine attempt to get rid of the ball. So with the uh, umpiring term, we we, we certainly um, reinforced that and made sure that that's the fight. I think it um, I think it has settled. And the other thing I, I would say is that uh, the umpires have just done an unbelievable job. Like currently we've got. Um, We've got a dozen umpires down in, in uh, South Australia and your neck of the woods there, Kane, and, and um, out of the Barossa, um, and, they're, and they're freezing down there um, at this stage. We've got a, we've got another dozen up in the, up in Cairns, and then we've got um, a 40-plus here, and all their families as well spread right across the country, and, and you know, most of them have jobs. So they're a part-time resource in, in the industry, and, and so they've been impacted as much as anyone. So, look, you know, full credit to them. I, I think they've... They've handled the season incredibly well, and, and without that support, you know, we, we wouldn't have the game going. So I, I think they've done an you know, exceptional job. You've been really aggressive with the tweaks that you've made in the rules in recent times. Does it concern you that six goals wins a game of footy last night? Well, when I look at the ratings that come through um, from last night, no. <laughs> the highest rating uh, Lions game um, since 2011. Um, which is, which is fascinating uh, here here in uh, Queensland. So it's going gangbusters up here. I think what you've got to be careful of, Kane, and I'm mindful of that. You know, within this this role, it's, it's a custodian role, and, and and you need to be careful that you don't tweak things too far. It was certainly seen in, in other codes that um, there's been some adjustments made, and what it's done is uh, it's taken away margin, and you know certainly opened the game up. But uh, you know, you get blowouts, and I, I think that you know when you have a look at the the competition that we've currently got, um, it's a it's, it's a real contest, and that's what last night represented. And, and I, I found it, um, uh, you know, um, uh, captivating to watch. Um, you know, all of the nuances that were going on within the game, and and it was highly engaged in that. And clearly, the ratings are saying that as well. So there's there's no doubt uh, we need to get the balance between uh, defence and and attack um, right. But you've got to be careful too that what you do, whatever decisions you do make, you don't swing it too far one way um, versus the other. And, and you know, there'd be people that there's no doubt there'd be a lot of fans and supporters that would say it's a, it's a, it's a little too defensive at the moment. And you know, if required, we'll, we'll, we'll make um, and analyse you know, what are the potential adjustments. But uh... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At this point in time, just to say, you know, the margin last night, the contest itself um, is captivating the audience. Steve, thanks for your time on Crunch Time. Always appreciated. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, really appreciate being on. Round 15 closed last night when the Lions were eight-point winners over the Magpies. The Lions back to second. The Magpies still have work to do to make sure they're part of the final series. And the next round begins later tonight when Port Adelaide and North Melbourne meet. You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. The Monopoly game at Maccas is back. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Luke Hodge and Sam Edmund with you. We've just been speaking with Steve Hocking, the GM of footy operations at the AFL. So, 
let's deal with the Richmond scenario first around the panel. And I guess, Sam, first to you, it's absolutely clear that the AFL intends the fine to be a club penalty and expects Richmond to absorb it and not bump it onto its players. Uh, 100%, Jared. You just can't see how this in any way is going to uh, end up with the players having to pay the fine. They certainly didn't volunteer it. This has come right from the top, obviously. And it will be a club fine, and it will go towards next year's soft cap, which now for Richmond suddenly sits at $6.1 million, obviously down from $9 million a year before that. So it's a code of conduct, as I said earlier, agree between the AFL and the AFLPA. The players themselves, Callum Coleman-Jones, he's going to head home to Adelaide, Sydney stack to Melbourne. There's not enough time to get him to Perth and the processing required there. It's going to be tough for Stack in particular with the lack of support in Melbourne and all the club staff in Queensland, but that's the medicine he probably needs to swallow, many would argue. So, as I say, it's hard to see how this is going to end any other way, Jared. The sanctions have already been land, laid down for a breach of AFL rules. The club, this is a code of conduct agreed a long time ago, a club cannot then impose a sanction on top of that. So how are we to discuss Richmond, Kane and Hodgie? Um, they can't sell their their much-vaunted culture anymore, not on the back of the, the series of incidents that we've we've now seen throughout a, a pretty tough year. Kane, you go first. Well, it's been bizarre. I, you know, I, I admire the teams that win yet remain humble. And they're the, they're the champion teams in my eyes. Now, it takes nothing away from what Richmond have done on the field, but I just don't think they've been a humble side this year from, from tweets that have been sent out to communication to, you know, the antics in the song. I just think they have got ahead of themselves and the success has gone to their heads a little bit. And it's not synonymous with other teams that you've seen that have had really successful dynasties like Geelong and like Hawthorne and like others from a similar era. So, you know, whatever happens on the field, I think there is a little bit of a, a chink in the armour in terms of what has gone on this year and, and the lack of humility with the way that they've carried on this year. You can tell that when uh, when Brendan Cale or when Peggy spoke a few weeks ago with uh, when they had the, the club singing the song and, and how disappointed she was, very rarely you get your club spokespeople to talk down the culture and, and say how disappointing. And normally they'll go out there and... and to the, to the media and to the outside public, they'll be supportive and say they've got to learn. But then in-house, I normally give them a, a clip over the years. But you can hear that how disappointed that Brendan was. And I think you're right, Kane, that yes, they, I don't think anyone can question how successful they've been and how good they're going to be. Do I think this is going to affect them for the next two months? No, no, I don't. Because the blokes who did it, they're now out of there. Um, whatever happens on the, the soft cap next year isn't going to affect the players. So... People say, oh, it's going to drag onto their football. I don't think that at all. But as far as where it leaves people, um, as Kane said, you need teams that have been successful to be mature and be respectful for other people. Um, people what I've found is people normally uh, find ways to dislike teams that have been successful in the past by little things that they do. You see a team 18th doing it and they think, oh, they're trying to build a culture. You see team one do it and they're being arrogant. But I think this does pull a little bit back from, from where people did have Richmond in, uh, over the last couple of years. So I'm interested in the correlation between the off-field and the on-field, Luke, is a lot of Richmond's success was was sheeted back to what they were doing off-field, the culture they had built, the idea of being a Richmond man, and, and it was um, some of it was sort of intangible. It was very modern age, and that was credited from the club and from the outside as the cultural benefits. But So the reverse doesn't apply? 
is, is once you once you don't live those values or those values don't look like they're as all as encompassing, it, it doesn't reach into the on-field? I, I think you, people dive a lot deeper into club culture than that once they start having success. People sort of say, what are they doing uh, different to other clubs? And then if there is a slip-up, people remember that. If, if Melbourne have done something or if other clubs that haven't had this success at Richmond, they might just let that wash away. But... Um, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that what they've done the last few weeks uh, is slowly starting to build. And as I said, everyone sort of sit back going, well, where are they going to draw the line? Because I look at Richmond and on field, they're still the same relaxed. Dimmer may have shot a <laughs> fight a bullet at them at three-quarter time, but they're still upbeat, energetic. It look like they're a good place to be around. But then they are starting to have these slip-ups. What do you think, Kane? <sighs> I, don't, I don't know but how to this answer. This takes us back to a base... Winning forgives all sins. Mm. And maybe well, that is the truism of, of sport, that we delude ourselves that it's more than that. I, I don't know if it's true because, uh, there's the, I mean, certainly it's a, it's a bigger story if it is a side like Richmond, I think. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with Hodgie whether it's going to... I think it may affect them a little bit on field. I just think... Uh, it's going to be tiring for every media conference. Every time someone's mentioned about Richmond, every time Damien Hardwick faces the media between now and the grand final day, if they make it, it's going to be asked about this and the culture and what's going on and what's going on. I just think that may take its toll eventually and weigh the side down a little bit. So I'm not sure I necessarily agree that I just expect them to go on and, and have this unaffect them this year. But in terms of does winning forget all sins, maybe in a in a in a previous era, Jared, I think it would have, but I'm not sure in this day and age whether whether that's the case. It makes is there not a tipping point case study? Yeah, tipping point, Jared. That's that's the thing that you come back to. Is there a tipping point? And this is a question, obviously, Luke and Kane can answer with far more clarity. But just the laundry list of off-field problems this year and issues and distractions has created this two-faced club at the moment you know they're tearing them apart on the field but almost tearing themselves apart off it and now even right down to the Richmond press conferences now Jared you have to submit uh, an application if you like to to the club to let them know who you are and where you're coming from obviously after the uh, the the team song kerfuffle that they got themselves into so you just wonder will there be a tipping point where it infiltrates the 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 match, the football game side of things. So and, it and gets that's, I think that, in hindsight. I, yeah, go on. I, I think that's the biggest thing of if when you do have success, yeah, it's got to be pushed through the football club that you're not entitled to anything more just because you you won a premiership. As soon as you start a preseason, you should come back with the same mindset as what you had the year before. Uh, and with all these things that are starting to slip in, Richmond wouldn't have done these things four or five years ago. Uh, which I believe there's there's a few things though. the one when they sung the song that's just a, a silly thing that Kane and myself spoke about that it's happened in football clubs in the past so I don't think it'll happen again because people have cameras everywhere two young guys going out make a mistake that's going to happen again obviously it's a lot more serious because it's in the hub but it's all these little things that are starting to creep in because maybe they're getting noticed a little bit more they're getting more money off field that people are telling them how good they are it's this entitlement that they've had success and they're a little bit a, a, I guess above the above the law, if you could sort of say. So I think from what we're seeing now, no doubt from the tale what Peggy's been saying and Brenda's been saying, he's had enough of it. Dimmer's pretty much sick of it now. So I'd say it's up to the leaders to pull them in and just sort of say, I know we said it a few weeks ago, but for two months of the year to go, they need to be squeaky clean and just put all their focus on what they can do on the footy field and no one step out, outside the, I guess, the guidelines mm. off the field. 
Yeah, the analysis is easy to write if they don't win it from here. It's much harder if they do win it to fully to fully understand things. Um, I want to pick up on Steve Hawk. So he's defaulted to the ratings last night. Mm. So people were glued to it, which I which is true in a way. But does that excuse the spectacle? Is that is that the only measure? It's a, it surprised me the answer. That that was my initial response, and and well, you, I was you always ta- got to find a positive game. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little bit taken aback, and uh, of course the ratings were were sensational because you've got Collingwood playing one of the biggest Victorian teams, and everyone's in lockdown with an eight o'clock curfew. So if ratings weren't great, particularly in Melbourne, I'd be a little bit shocked. It's it's an absolute sweet spot for ratings for Channel Seven. So. Um, no disrespect to your work, Hodgie, of course, but, I mean, they, they would never be bigger, would they? Jared, is that, is that fair in saying that yeah, no one yeah. can go out of their house? They're locked in and Collingwood are playing. I was I'd about to take credit for good. it, Kane. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, personally, so I know you talk about TV, but sitting there watching it, I was enthralled in the game. I know I went through patches of about five minutes where I didn't say anything and I thought, hang on, I'd better start watching. But I was sitting there as a football watcher. Um, with the intensity, how the ball's going. Yes, there was a lot of mistakes, but you expect that when there's a high in, in, in intense game of football that two teams are, one battling for to stay in the eight, the other one battling to, to try and stay in the top top, top two to get a, or top four to get a, a second chance. But the, the football, I know the goal scoring wasn't there. Um, the, the game of football and how it was played uh, and the attack of both teams, I, I thought it was enthralling and I, I was really caught up in it. Yeah, so we, I called it with Hutto and Gary Lyon, and we were equally enthralled in it, but profoundly disappointed in it. So I just I just won't accept that that's what we want from our game, six goals to five. And I think the more people that watched last night, the more people who walk away disappointed from it. I reckon that's a false measure. Of course we watch, because it's one... It was There's two key markers left for the season. It's that and Geelong and Richmond. But that the fact that we watched can't excuse the spectacle, in my view. Mm, I think he went on to explain it. And if you just look at the, the grab in isolation, there was, a, there was a bit of tongue-in-cheek. There was a bit of humour in it, I think. And then he went on to say, look, that in terms of changing the game, you can't make too many at once and all of that. But yeah, I'd be surprised once they get through this season and all the talk is just getting through the moment. I'm not sure they've had a, an opportunity to look at the ratings, but uh, look at the rules. But I... I, I personally believe that the final should be extended to 20 minutes a quarter just so we have the opportunity to get more goals I'm, I'm fully of that belief that won't happen but um, you know it would give the best chance for fatigue to set in and to scores to increase I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm always a big one that leave the game alone um, unless you've got to tweak a few things but watching from the sidelines that I don't think I've seen as much where teams, some, a lot of players run harder defensively than what they do offensively to get the ball. Where normally it's in the past, you'll see blokes go flat out to get a goal, but then they won't run defensively because they're waiting to get the ball. It's almost the opposite these days because teams know how important it is to get back, get inside D50 and then compose the ball and bring it back out. Um, and that I think you look at the rotations. We've kept the rotations at 90 rotations and we've brought the time down. So whoever comes back on, they're, they're still getting as much rest as what they normally do, but they've got that energy to work back. Uh, add that in with uh, blokes. Um, Steve said they're not doing any match play now. It's all about recovery. Well, they're not allowed to do match play because they can't do 18 v 18. And that's where you, that's where you work on your skills and, and get that polishing connection from going inside 50 to hit up your forwards to get a scoring opportunity. So there, there's three or four things that they can tweak. And then the, they're not massive changes. It's bringing the rotations down 15 or so a game, 
putting the time back out to your normal time uh, and then letting the, the players get back into their, their match play, which will make a, a reasonably big difference, I think, next year. All right, we've got some rapid-fire questions to shoot around next. Port Adelaide has uh, flown to Queensland today. They'll play North Melbourne tonight. They'll have packed their gear in their Samsonite business bags. Work from anywhere with a Samsonite business bag. Before we put uh, round 15 aside, there's a, a few critical moments to tick through. We'll do that with Luke Hodge, with Kane Corns, with Sam Edmund next on Crunch Time. The Beaumont Tiles exclusive bathroom packages from Beaumont's four grand the lot and identify by specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. Our rapid fire questions for Rapid Tune. They'll keep you moving. Rapidtune.com.au. Kane, did last night prove Collingwood can't win the flag? Uh, not yet. It's going to be really difficult, but I, I wouldn't write them off yet. I'm not writing the Bulldogs off yet either because I think at their best they can both win it, get the reinforcements back for Collingwood and their small chance, but the forward line issues would really concern me. Did they get their selection wrong last night, bringing in Max Lynch? You are, and I'm, I just don't think... I know um, Mason Cox kicked a couple of goals last night, but I don't think he should be in their best forward line because he's so tall when he commands the footy. Um, they kick it to him a lot, but the amount of times he fell over under no pressure last night and the lack of forward pressure that he brings, I wouldn't be having Mason Cox in that team myself. They've got an issue with Jaden Stevenson as well and his lack of intensity, but I, I think I'd just be going with my check and surrounding them with tools. Um, that, that's the way I'd be going because it, it can't be any worse than, than what they're producing right now with the tall structure they've got. Luke, what, was there excitement in the Gabba announcement in Brisbane? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I know that the NRL weren't too happy about it and you know that when a uh, when an organisation gets a little bit worried, they come out and start potting them and that's exactly what the NRL did to the AFL up here. Um, but the excitement around here, I went to the butch the other day and they were talking about AFL and I'd been going there for two years and never heard anything about AFL. They were wondering about grand final tickets and, and all the like. So there, there's no doubt um, the AFL hype is definitely up here in Queensland uh, and it's a good thing. It's... Uh, we're going down to kids' footy this afternoon, and you go down there, and there's people everywhere. So it's really a buzz. It's grown a lot since I've been up here. But what the AFL bringing um, Queensland bringing the AFL up here to keep the season going has just made it grow it grow even more. Kane, is the, is the Gabba grand enough for the grand final? No, it's not. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. I, I can't stand that it's going to be. Did you get out of the wrong side of the bed this morning? I, Kane? I can't oh. stand it, Hodgy. I can't. I just think you've got two world class facilities and, and you've landed on the Let Gabba. me guess, over in Adelaide. Well, there's one in Adelaide, there's one in Perth. And honestly, I know people laughed at, I think Jimmy Bartell first put the Jew on the agenda, but watching last night, I was going, mm. hang on, this is, it's going to be worse. And mate, it wasn't that bad last night. <laughs> oh, out there, I, I was out there. It wasn't that bad. Well, Hodge, I was going to ask you, by late October, if it is a 6pm local time bounce, what are the conditions like due-wise that time of year? He's never played in October, Sam. <laughs> no, exactly. But he's <laughs> no, lived there. So I'm wondering if it improves. I remember Grant Birchall came up here and started training, and he goes, I can't believe how hot it is. Um and it's going to be it's going to be dewy. It's going to be slippery. But in saying that, I notice I'm not sure if blokes put on Grippo anymore or get the old tape around the wrist to to catch your sweat going down there. But I didn't see much where I know noticed Jonathan Brown and a few blokes told me when I first moved up here that it's a key one to actually get a decent grip on the ball because you don't have your sweat running into your hands. The, the tape uh, stops it, and also the Grippo works uh, very well as well. So I'd say a few mm. players will start to to wear you start using that tactic for the next two months. 
blotties after the dimpled footy in a real hurry by the time we get to the <laughs> night grand final. Sam, to you, is our clubs putting some strategic thought into selecting finals venues? Should they have the right to host? Yeah, it'll be interesting today. If the Cats win tomorrow, they'll go second, the Lions third. Now, a lot of water to go under the bridge, but if they were to meet in a final and the Cats had the right, my understanding is they'll definitely move it to Metricon, um, which might sound obvious, but they do back themselves in at the Gabba, given it, it is, a, a, as they say, a centre-bounds venue. It lends itself to contestable, which the Cats obviously uh, are prolific at. Lions unbeaten at the Gabba this year, of course. So... Um, I think the Cats will favour Metricon regardless um, of who they come up against, but um, the Gabba are very close second. And just Gary Ablett up there at the... Andrew Mackey's gone with him, Jared. Is the United Nations sort of training set up there at the McCure? They're in the transition hub. We've got Ablett training with Hanabry, who's training with Edwards. Mackey running around as well, the respective high-performance guys. So he's on track, Gary, for that final homer and away round of the season. And... Just speaking about Harris Andrews and Luke Shuey, and this is the real danger zone for injuries, isn't it? Which is going to make Geelong's team so fascinating when they name it later on today for this game because they've got Joel Selwood with that lingering knee issue. I just wonder whether they'll give him another week or, or give him a run around. He's missed the last two with that grumbly knee. It's a, an interesting little period of time, Jared, in the season. You don't want to lose him now. Luke, did, did Carlton disappoint you on Thursday night? Uh, their second half they did. Uh, they It was almost like as soon as the pressure got to them when they needed to come and score in the last quarter, Collingwood either wouldn't let them do it or, or Carlton just didn't want to pull the trigger. They Their ball use just shut down where early on in the game they, they looked exciting. They tried a few things. A couple didn't come off, but at least, at least they tried them. They adjusted their game style. But then it got to the last quarter and they just shut up shop. They, they couldn't win the ball. They couldn't get it over their half of the ground. Um, it was either a coaching issue to play a bit safer or the players just went into their shell. Kane on a Melbourne front. So that was more of the same. How will they ever solve this? Uh, well, if I, I, I knew that, they'd be knocking on my door because the, the language coming out of Simon Goodwin's mouth, I, I've heard on repeat, it's like it's like a bad record that's just in your car that won't skip over the one song. It's we're working extremely hard. I think I've heard that grab maybe, I don't know, 20 times in the last couple of, couple of years and we know what the issue is. We're working incredibly hard to solve it. I can just repeat what he's saying. So he says to know the problem doesn't know how to fix it so if they can't fix it internally and with their star started coaching panel they've got alan richardson and a high profile fitness guy in darren burgess and new recruits in the playing stocks i don't know um what to what to do but they are the most inconsistent side in the afl and don't tell me that that squad isn't good enough to play finals this year i won't cop that so will they have to make some form of change to try to enter next season in what yeah, well, if he, was out of, if he was out of contract, I don't see there's a way that Simon Goodwin would be the coach next year, and I think they would get a harder-edge coach in. You know, the names came up and just took, take talk back yesterday. I don't know. Can we go and get Clarko? Can we get Brad Scott? Can, you know, Ross Lyon? So a harder, experienced coach seems to be what they need because they do tend to get a bit comfortable, I think. You know, they get, if they have a couple of wins against lower sides, they become comfortable and complacent. Um, so, so I think they need to get to stamp that out of their game. But he's got two years to go, Jerry. He's got, he's got I'm guessing, $1.4 on a contract. In this time, they're not going to pay that out. So he's got another year at it, Simon Goodwin. Um, but time's running out. The time is running out, Kane. Are you worried that your 2012 best and fairest is either tarnished or being 
tarnished. Well, this is a bit in. This is a bit of an in, and it's a bit of an Adelaide one. But what, the, I got sick of the accusations coming for about eight years, and little barbs and little um, cheap shots over a radio station. So I thought, well. I'm just not going to cop it anymore. I'm not going to cop the cheap little digs. So I'm actually going to go and investigate it. So what I did do is um, go and speak to the club. I, I spoke to Peter Road, who basically said he was the one that controlled the votes. I've, I've seen the records of the votes. They're still there. They're still at the club. I've spoken to the CEO. Um, so I did some research on it rather than just go with little barbs on the radio and, and throw two board members under the bus. So if this person that is spruiking the story, isn't willing to name the two board members. He's implicated them all. Um, and I just thought, well, I'm just, I was just sick of it. I'm not going to cop it. So I'm actually going to do yep. some work on it and try and get to the bottom of it. Kane, Luke, Sam, thank you. Great crunch time. Good on you guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jared. For rapidtune.com.au, the rapid fire question. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. To close.